it's getting better. <laughs> Damn, first of all, criticism. first of all, I'm a motherfucking beast on these ones and twos while you Yo. be hating and shit. All right, I'm I'm gonna do it for real freestyle because I'm tired of these haters. I'm tired. Give me a beat. Drop me a beat, Asia. Drop me a motherfucking um, beat. Right, while Lisa me, hating. Let me. Um, only beat I know is a grinding. That's beat. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever. I'm that girl, so you better listen. I'm not playing with you bitches. I know you see me in the building. I'm doing my thing. I'm coming through. Fuck, you right. Okay, so maybe I'm not a rapper. Maybe I'm not a rapper. Maybe that's why I'm here on the podcast. Because I just knew. The crazy thing about it is I just knew that I had more in me <laughs> when I started. You know, like, I was like, I'm going to rip this shit. It's because she gonna put be, you on a spot. It is. You know. And I was like, she's going to be And she came in with the negative energy. Didn't she came she in, like, already hating. Didn't she? And so she just, like, set you up and confused didn't your brain, convinced though? you that you didn't believe in yourself when before she came in here, and you I had the hot fire. I believed in exactly. myself. Exactly. You can't let these haters hate on you. Thank you, Asia, for that. Thank you. You got to be is, bulletproof. She even pat me on my that's back. That's why I'm some, getting up and leaving rooms. On some friendly <laughs> shit. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> if that's I feel what, some negative energy, I will just, just like, get up and leave. Shit. You know what? I'm all about that up and leave. Sometimes there's just nothing left to say. I want to thank our sponsors, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. Hey, 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 what up, y'all? It's your girl, Kelly, here on Kelly Talks. And I am so excited about my guests today. We have Miss Asia Bullock. Oh, my God. Hey. And she just dropped this young EP. We're going to talk about that in a minute, hey. though. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in a minute, though. This is a phenomenal uh, comedian, actress, rapper. <laughs> I mean, she does an, a lot of things. And you guys can catch her on The Shy when it comes out, um, which is a new series on Showtime with uh, Common and Helena Waith. So be sure to check that out. But we're going to get to the questions and start talking to her yeah. real quick. See, I can get to know her a little bit more, you know. Um, and we'll do all my formalities and all that good stuff at the end. Uh, man, it's been a crazy week, too, for me. But we ain't going to talk about me. We'll talk about me on my other solo podcast that will come up in a couple weeks or something. But right now we're going to talk about this young uh, only child from Texas. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. That's that's that's. Really? It's my. Uh, I mean, there are definitely moments in which I've been like, oh, I really wish I had a sibling. Like, this would be really convenient to have a sibling. But also, like, for the most part, growing up, I just needed a lot of attention. So <laughs> I can imagine only children would definitely need a lot of attention. Yeah. I grew up with my grandmother and was the only child in the house. Mm -hmm. It was like all teenagers. Mm -hmm. And I was like the five and six and seven year old, you know, running around the house. And I absolutely needed a lot of attention that I did not get. Mm, right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. So you do you have like a lot of cousins or something like that? that Honestly, you... no. Like, it's crazy. I'm an only child and my mom has two sisters um, and neither of them had any kids when I was growing up. Uh, her younger sister just had a baby like a couple years ago. Oh, wow. So this is that's like my first cousin on that side, at least. I'm like my first first cousin. And then um, but you can't kick it with her. Right, exactly. She's a baby. Like she's very much like, so let's go still to a the baby. Club. Uh, yeah, not quite. We're not there. Uh, yeah, and on my dad's side, I have um, I have a first cousin who I kind of grew up with. He's a boy. He was a lot older than me though, maybe like four four or so years. So he ain't really like you know take me that seriously. He was too cool, right? To hang out with me. And then I have a a he has a younger brother. That was too young for me to really hang out because I was too cool for him. <laughs> you were too cool, so it's just like too cool so, cycle. So, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't really have anybody, like, near my age, really, that, like, I grew up with heavy. And, like, I really didn't realize that until fairly recently that really? I was like, oh, wow, I really have, like, a, <laughs> a partner, like a family partner of some sort, you know? So do you 
feel like you grew up kind of like a loner or did you have like a lot of friends? Yeah, I've always had like a whole lot of friends. Okay. And so it's really just like when it comes to my family, I feel like a loner because like I realize that there's nobody like my age, especially the older I get. Um, and so but I've always I never really lived uh, close to my family. Mm-hmm. Like me and my mom like lived in Texas. We were the only ones who lived out there. So, um, and then I also moved around a lot because my dad was in the military. So my okay. parents were still together. I was like moving from school to school a lot. Um, and I always like managed to retain my friends. Like I, it's, it's been nice to have friends that I've had since junior high and then my high school friends and like my DC friends and my Dallas friends and my college friends. Like I've, I just feel so fortunate to be able to like still refer to those people as my best friends because, you know, I still talk to them really regularly. That's pretty cool. I feel like only children tend to overcompensate. I can see that. Yeah. A lot. My <laughs> husband's the only child. So he had, he had a slew of full of friends when we met i think i changed that i fucked that all up yeah more. i mean he got like two friends left now like <laughs> honestly like it, it comes in waves like i said i have like lots of different friends from points in my life but i i'm not someone who likes to be sur- like surrounded by a large group of people okay or like someone who um has to be friends with everybody <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm very picky about my friends but because of that like i hold on to them very tightly because i'm just like i really do think that they're the, they're the best yeah and so like i feel like i I have quality over quantity when Mm -hmm. it comes to friends. I just am lucky to have them, like, scattered across the country. Do you find yourself dating more because you, like, do you find yourself overcompensating (sighs) with just the friends? Or do you find yourself mate chasing, too? Um, I've never really been a mate chaser. Like, I didn't really care about boys after I graduated college, to be quite honest. Oh, wow. I mean, like, I've always really loved men, like, to myself. But I also was really aware of, like how hard it was <laughs> like all my friends who were dating or like my everybody in my family's like are single women and so I'm just like so used to being single and it it was it just made a lot more sense to me because I was so like focused on like I was a nerd I was in all the extracurriculars like I was just super into school and like really like goal oriented oh wow and it seemed like you was know, your mom like that did you get that from her um I think so maybe like <laughs> she was just really like here's what I have to do and if I uh, I can't do it here, then I, y'all gonna have to move out the way because, like, I'm gonna figure out how to do it. So, yeah, it just kind of seemed like boys are like a distraction or like just not really making a lot of logistical sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was like, you know, if a boy happens to make sense, then yeah, sure, I like y'all. But also, yeah, if y'all start tripping, like, I literally will just walk around you. It's not that big a deal. It's not a focus. So, once I graduated college and like I didn't have school anymore, it was just like me being an adult and like working. And I was like, I guess I have some free time. So, you know, talk to some men right now and then. <laughs> That's funny. I think I'm going to coin the fact that I just said mate chasing, too. I like mate that. Chasing, I was like, yeah. Mate chasing, yeah. mate chasing. It came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, I like that right I there. Know, man. I hope not. I hope I'm not, like, entering into a mate chasing point of my life. I don't um, see that coming at all. From how, from me knowing what I know about you, I don't see that. <laughs> God damn it. Every time I forget to turn off my every time. I was scared. I was like, is it me? <laughs> every time. Um. Okay, so you went to an arts high school kind of like Aaliyah right right uh did you know before you went to that high school that you were going to be in entertainment or was that something like oh I went here and now I have a love for it uh nah I always knew I was gonna be an entertainer like yeah yeah I mean first at a very young age oh yeah first time I was on stage was when I was like three I was dancing and I was just like, this is so easy. Like, I remember, like, the home videos of me from my first recital are like, oh, is why you're nervous? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I'm so, and you see the video of me, and I'm, like, just so confident. Like, I just knew that that's where I was supposed to be. I was supposed to be a performer. And so, I, you know, I, I danced every year. I took gymnastics. Um, when I got to middle school, I started doing theater as well. Like one of the teachers at school was like, oh, I want you to audition for this play. And I was like, okay, cool. Like a stage. I'm on it. Wow. So then I started doing that. And then um, once I started doing plays, I was like, okay, maybe I could audition for the the arts high school for theater. Wow. And that's what you went for, theater. Yeah, I went for theater. Not even dance. Yeah, no, because I had been dancing and I was like, well, I feel like I've been dancing for a very long time. I want I like this theater thing. So I want to explore that. And so, yeah, I I auditioned for theater and I got waitlisted and I was crushed. 
and I was going to like go to um, like the science and engineering magnet school or like some type of private school because I didn't like the public school that I was supposed to go to. It was too big and I wasn't getting the type of like nerdy attention that I wanted. The attention you've been craving was, your whole life. It was, like the, it was the second largest <laughs> high school in the country. It was like wow. over 4,000 kids. Oh, wow. And they were like, half of them ain't know how to act. So you like, imagine trying to like wrangle up. Like when we'd have fights, they'd have these big like like machine guns that had um like they were like big paintball guns and instead of paintball it was like mace pellets basically like just pepper spray essentially like these big guns because if you have like a fight in a school that's that big you know how like the crowd rushes towards it you got like a thousand kids rushing towards oh a fight and so the security guards couldn't break it up so they'd like bust out these guns and be like pepper spray and you could be sitting in your classroom and then all of a sudden start coughing because there was a fight outside and now you and so I they like, wouldn't warn you like we're gonna shoot these if you guys don't stop they would just no, shoot because everyone got so used to it it was oh just like standard God. there so that's like, crazy they they was they stayed fighting and so they st- and that's how they Stay handled pellets. that yeah that so is it was insane. a lot and I used to I was just like so like. <laughs> Yeah, just an angry nerd. I was like, look, I came here for education, for some extracurriculars. I got speech and debate practice. I got like, I was like sick of it. And I was like, ma, I will not be returning to that school. I was just like so sad. So I ended up going there for a couple of weeks. um, And then I got the letter that I got into the arts school so I could transfer. And I was like, thank God. Oh, so you were like a freshman there for a couple weeks and then you moved over. Yeah, I was actually, I went there my whole freshman year. Oh, wow. Yeah, I auditioned for the, after the year there, because luckily in my case, the, it became the second largest high school in the nation my freshman year because they added a freshman wing to the high school. Because you're talking about Texas here. So number one important thing in Texas is sports. Okay. So my suburb that I lived in had one high school. They weren't going to split it up to make two high schools because that would be splitting up the sports. Oh, wow. So they had like a power team at this one big high school. So instead of like opening another high school, they would just like add on wings. So there used to be a whole separate ninth grade school. But my freshman year, they were like, we're going to add a ninth grade wing to the high school. Wow. And to make it this like super giant school. And so luckily the freshman year, I was like in the freshman wing for the most part, like with all my friends that I had gone to middle school with. And we had our own cafeteria and like most of my classes were out there and you know, only like maybe two or three classes I'd have to go to the other side of the building. But my sophomore year, I was in the main part of the building, and that's the part that was wild, reckless. Wow. It just got like like food fights every day, just like crazy stuff. They just It was just too many kids, and they, ain't, like, they all needed attention. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy you got transferred. Yeah, that me worked too. Out. I, was I think you would be, I don't think you'd be sitting here had you not gotten I don't think so either. Actually. I really don't think so. It was like so important, like going from that school from like, over 4,000 kids to, like, a, a school with, like, 600 maybe. Like, my class had, like, 160 people oh, in wow. it. And I knew everybody and loved everybody. We were all so close. And it was just, like, a big, like, love fest. It was just so gay. I loved it. <laughs> now, what kind of dance did you do? Did you do, like, uh, jazz or, or tap or yeah. hip-hop or ballet? What was All it? All of that, man. I did. Really? I did tap, jazz, ballet, and hip-hop um, all throughout my childhood. Um, up through college, I mean, up through high school, and then um, maybe my junior year of high school, I stopped. I, have you ever seen that show, Dance Moms? I I have seen briefly. Yeah, that was kind of yeah. that was that's what I had going on. I was like in a competitive dance company and stuff, and so we did that pretty heavily. And then my junior year, I quit that, which was like a huge deal for me because that's like the life that I had known for most of. You know, so you were childhood. like made up and the makeup and all that other oh, stuff. Oh yeah, was your like mom feeding you Mountain Dew and nah, she wasn't sugar she bottles. She wasn't a dance mom. <laughs> she knew she saw that I was interested in it and that I was good at it. Okay. So she did whatever she needed to to support it, but she wasn't like Forcing there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, like she would drop me off at rehearsal and then go home. Whereas like the other moms would like stay and like care. And she was like, "No, you got this. You're good. I'll be at your performances, but like I'm not like a a stage mom, you know." Which I appreciate it because at first I kind of was like, you don't care as much as the other parents do. But now that I'm an adult, I get it. You get it. Because she couldn't be around like, like no, no, no. I energy. do care. That's why I'm I not do care. Exactly. Because I, I want to embarrass you. Exactly. I want to choke a mother out. She's like, I do not care for any of this energy, any of this God. Like, she just, it's just like, it's not that serious. Our kids are dancing in rhinestones. Nobody's getting paid for this. Like, it's it's an extracurricular and if it's not fun then don't do it anymore that's but you know what and that's what attracted me to you was your very standoff (laughs) 
attitude oh, when I we was were in LA. That way. <laughs> yes, in LA, just real quick, listeners. In LA, we were at a show. We're all sitting there waiting for the show to start, right? And we've um, we're just sitting there talking. It's me. It's a couple other female comedians. Fatima, uh, shout out to her out in hey. LA. Um, it was Lisa, my producer, that's here, and mm-hmm. uh, Asia. We're talking, and then this other girl comes that we weren't really familiar with. Apparently, she does stand-up, but she had, like, this attraction to this guy and just kept talking about him, and it was just a bunch of negative energy happening. It was weird. And then I looked up, and Asia was gone. (laughs) And I mean, no goodbye, no see you guys later, no nothing. And I asked Lisa, I said, where did did Asia go? She said, oh, she left. I said, left? (laughs) She's like, yeah, she left. And then next time I saw her, I said, what happened? She said, oh, I couldn't deal with that girl. I just couldn't. I just had to leave. And I was like, damn, you just... Just ghosted weird, everybody man. though. The thing is that I knew I was gonna see y'all later because the thing is that we were only there for a little bit and then we were gonna meet up later that night, right? So he was like, I see y'all later. Exactly. I was like, I'm gonna leave because she's weird <laughs> and I don't want it to make a, bi- a big deal about me leaving, <laughs> but I'll explain to them later when I link back up with them that I had to go because she was weird. That is so well. Now it makes sense that you got that from your mom because right. I was like, damn, did she was she always this decisive or is yeah, this something oh. she had to cultivate over years? But you were raised that way. Oh yeah, and I'm the only child too, so I never have to worry about like waiting for anybody else or like anybody else's feelings I'm just like this is the choice I've made and I'm going to act on it now these are my feelings yeah. and these are the only ones that matter exactly <laughs> that's so true that I, and it's is, like it's like I'm not gonna judge you I'm not gonna be like you gotta stop being weird and annoying like that's you you are weird and annoying that's who you are but I know that's not for me so I'm just gonna remove myself from the situation and not like be here with an attitude because <laughs> that that's what would happen amazing because I never even thought about it like that but if you don't if you're not raised around siblings, you don't have to really be concerned with other people's yeah. feelings like that. Because I, I, I had a brother that was two years older than me and a little sister that was six years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So I always had to worry about right. how I was affecting other people. That is, I never even thought about that. That's no. pretty cool. Now, you just dropped a new EP called Unemployed. I did. Which I love, by the way. And in fact, we're going to take a second right now and listen to one of the dopest songs off of there. Check this out, y'all. No baby. Can I get that pill? Can I get uh, that patch? Can I get yo. that new ring in my snatch? Can I get that sponge? Can I get that diaphragm? I'll take precautions when I take your man. Oh yeah, your baby's cute, but I ain't really tripping. Got this pussy on Rolex. Maternal clock ain't ticking. I'm on my trap shit. And yes, I want my cat lick. And you can't get no nookie less you wearing prophylactics. I ain't got time for a punk baby. I don't need you tearing up my junk, baby. All up in my womb getting crunk, baby. Now, what inspired you to record this? Um, well, uh, I unexpectedly left my job and I was unemployed. (laughs) Hence the name. (laughs) And so I didn't have a job. So I was just kind of like figuring out what my next steps were going to be. Um, I was like spending some time in Los Angeles trying to figure out like Hollywood and television. I knew that, you know, I wanted to write for television eventually. So I was just trying to get like a lay of the land as far as that goes. Um, and I always like enjoyed making music. I never really took it super seriously. It's just something that I would do if, you know, somebody asked me to perform something solo. Mm-hmm. Um, I did stand up for a little bit and I didn't, you know, me, like I'm coming from a musical theater background. Like I like, like production valuing, like costume changes and dance and singing. So like, I like tech. And when I did stand up, I was like, I don't get to be as like big as I want to be. It just yeah. like felt so like constricting to me, like the type of artist that I am. And so, um, so when people started asking me to do solo performances, I was like, I'd much rather do music. Yeah. Like, cause I love so, I love music so much. I love so many types of music. Like, so sometimes I'll do, I, I wrote a lot of country songs and I have a lot of like rap songs too. And that's like a Texas, R&B that's so a Texas is background. That Texas <laughs> I'm like country song. I mean, you can just because it's like it's like unexpected, and also it like is. I'm a comedian, so when I write these music, this music, my uh, objective is always comedy. So a lot of times I can get that joke out with the genre. Just like if I'm singing a country song about things that you don't usually hear country songs about, or if I'm like singing a country song that's like over the top racist because country music is racist sometimes. Like that's a joke <laughs> in itself. So. Um, when I got back from, I got back from LA and I still didn't have a job. (laughs) Like nobody had like discovered me and given me my own TV (laughs) show. And I was like, uh, what's going on here? So I was just, I I tried going back to like my regular day job that I had in college and was like, this doesn't fit. Like I, I'm, this is not where I am. Yeah. Yeah, I've grown past this. Like I can't deal with like this type of work environment when I'm used to being a creative and being 
trusted with a certain amount of responsibility. Like I don't, I can't go back to being talked to like a teenager. Right. Punching the clocks. Right. Yeah. And especially like if it's not contributing to like me as an artist and if it's draining my energy and I don't have the energy to create and do what I'm actually doing, then like, is it really serving me? It's giving me a paycheck, but like, I'd rather just charge these credit cards up and like hope for the best and like, you know, have faith in my abilities as a, as an artist and someone able to create something. So I respect that. You know? I respect that because you're, you're so young. And for you to say, like, is this serving me? That's a very profound question to have to ask yourself that a lot of people your age don't even consider until they're in their 30s. Right. You know, like, is this serving me? Right. That's huge to, to say. Is this even not not just creatively, but every situation? In like general, you said, right. you're sitting in that situation and you weren't feeling comfortable. This isn't serving me. I need to dip. Right. That's pretty dope. And it that ain't, you... Yeah. And it ain't no negativity because like th- th- everybody's different. So yeah. different things work for different people. So I was like, this job, this is a great job. Is that a place that I really liked? But um, just like the way it worked, it just didn't work out for me. And so it is another thing. Like God was really teaching me some lessons this year because I wanted to take this music thing seriously, mm-hmm. but I felt like I couldn't do it by myself. Like okay. I needed like a producer to like make the tracks for me. I like needed help making it um legitimate professional and um after a while <laughs> god was like you're not no you're gonna have to do it yourself so you made the tracks too the music yeah oh I you pr- did everything yeah with the exception of no babies that was the first track i recorded like right when i got back from los angeles and was like you know i want to i want some good quality music to put out and so i went to a, um, a music director that i had at one of my last jobs and he helped me out with that track and I watched him make it and he like kind of was talking me through it as he was doing it. And um, but like shortly after that, you know, he his wife was pregnant and he's having a baby. Oh, wow. and he's like, you know, work was picking up. So he had a lot of things going on. So I was like, well, you know, I can't expect you to do this whole album for me. And like, I don't have a lot of money. And you to can't really... wait either. Exactly. On yeah. Cause I'm not doing anything. So I, I like got my little $200 and I like bought Logic Pro and like taught myself how to make beats. I kind of done beats a little bit on GarageBand, which is like, you know, the the stuff that comes with the Apple computers and yeah. it's pretty simple. Like you can just put stuff together and Logic is just like the next level up from that. It's like yeah. a more complicated version of GarageBand. So after a while, like I just kind of like taught myself how to use that and then just spent a and then, then I just like sat in bed for like a week and it was just like making beats and making rhymes and like trying to figure it out. And then um, I did, you know, it all, it all worked out. It all worked out. Cause once I started doing that and like was felt confident enough in my own beats to be like, okay, this sounds like, but this sounds professional enough. Like I'm good with this quality. Um, I did a show and one of, uh, one of like the boyfriend of one of the people that was in my show was, uh, ran a record, like run a recording studio. And she was like, and they were like, Oh, are you going to, when are you going to put that song out? Like, when are you going to release this song? And I was like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to because I don't have a microphone at my house. Like, I can just make beats right now, but I don't really have a way to, like, record it and put it out. Wow. She's like, oh, my boyfriend runs a recording studio. He'll give it to you for really cheap. Like, And so I hit him up, and, like, I went in there and was able to record, like, all of the songs in maybe, like, a week. Won't he do it? Right? I was <laughs> like, I put, like, the turnaround for this album was crazy. Like, once I decided that, like, okay, I'm going to stop fighting it and just do it, do it all, and just, like, have confidence in myself that like just because I'm not formally trained doesn't mean that this isn't as good as anything else that's out there and so yeah it all just like kind of came together I recorded all of it like they kind of helped me make it sound you know the best quality because like I made all the beats myself but like I definitely got input from the people that I was working with exactly I had to get it mastered and like with mixing and they kind of showed me how to mix it so I could like start doing it myself and stuff so um so yeah and then and then there was an album and it was and while I was waiting for, like, it to get mastered and, like, all of the stuff that I couldn't do myself, mm-hmm. I was getting so restless <laughs> because, like, my part of the album, like, I feel like I wrote that whole album in, like, two weeks. Like, there, like I produced all the beats in, like, two weeks and stuff. And so I was getting restless waiting for the album to come out. And so I went to my Instagram <clears throat> and did, like, the song of days. I was oh, like, nice. I'm going to write a song a day until my EP comes out because... I don't know, like, I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I'm so anxious about it. And so, and that was, like, so fun and just, like, a way to remind, like, just a flex on myself. Like, I was, like, just to remind you that you could write a song in a day and they could be really good and they could be catchy. Yeah. And so I did that for, like, nine days and it was so much fun. It was so hard. But, like, I had the best time ever. And then, 
my EP got to come out and and it was just like so exciting the support that I've gotten from like even just like the Instagram song of days. Yeah. Like I did a show in Indianapolis the other day and somebody like yelled out Jesus had a lace front, which is like one of my song of days. And I was like, that's crazy that like somebody in the audience would yell out like my Instagram song. So now I'm like doing a full version of it. That's so Because <laughs> it's dope. like, why not? Like these are good enough songs and people enjoy them. And I'm just trying trying to like make people happy and like put joy in the world so like if this is good enough for y'all then it's good enough for me too i'll just keep doing it that's hot now you moved to chicago in 2009 i did what was that in like how was that inspired what like did that what why did you move here was that Um, for uh musical theater or dance yeah it was like i had visited chicago um like i think like maybe the summer before my senior year Mm -hmm. um and I saw like a musical here, like a Chicago Broadway in Chicago. Like I saw Wicked, I think. And um, and like I went and saw a show at the Second City. And like I had, we had like a master class at my high school where someone had come and done like an improv workshop. And it in was Second City. No, just like oh, from just a college. In general. Yeah, oh, just okay. improv. It was the first time I had ever like seen improv like that outside of whose line is it anyway right right and i loved that show growing up like <laughs> big like wayne brady was like my first crush i'm obsessed with wayne brady <laughs> that's interesting shout out to wayne brady <laughs> yeah that's bay right there <laughs> so i was like obsessed with wayne brady so i was like oh my god improv i want to do that too because you know like he sings he likes to burst out in he's songs amazing and he's very up, talented and i love like i was the person who would like sing what i'm doing like i was always making up songs and so i was like oh that's what i want to do is just like make up songs about suggestions like yell out something and i'm gonna make a song about it so, um, so I was like, oh, improv is like so cool because I feel like I could like sing and dance and act and I can like do whatever I want within this thing of improv and I get to be funny. And that's uh-huh. like really what I want to do is like comedy. So that's what kind of was like, all right, let me look at colleges in Chicago because obviously my parents are like, you going to college. And I was like, college is cool. I like school. Um, but <laughs> you know me, I'm an extracurricular type of girl. Like I'm not going to just go to college. I'm going right. to go to college and then pursue my you know comedy career right so that's why I when I went to visit colleges I saw DePaul I went to University of Chicago and I went to Roosevelt which school did you end up and I ended up at DePaul DePaul because they have a great theater program is that what you took Mm -mm. oh wow I um they have a really good massage therapy program too just like to get it getting massages not like teaching them um I went to their rec facilities and I saw like a whole massage parlor and I was like I love massages I'm gonna go here and that's why I, <laughs> I swear to you. You majored in, in? No, I majored in communication. Oh, okay. I just like getting massages. And so, I thought they had massages available at DePaul. So I was like, that's where I'm going to go. This is it. This is the place to yeah, be. Yeah, I was like, I like luxury. And DePaul was like, it was a, it's a private school. So it just like felt luxurious. That's funny. I'm bougie. And that, so I started off as a film major, actually. Wow. Yeah, that's why I went there because I, I, I liked editing. I was going to do like post-production editing or like sound design or special effects or something along those lines is that still in your future um no it's they're handy skills to be able to like edit stuff and sound design obviously now since i'm like producing my own music but um i don't like movies that much okay <laughs> they're long that you will need you will need to like movies to i do realized movies. that i was like yeah. oh y'all gonna make me watch movies for most of my classes all right well i should change just communications because that's a little broader <laughs> And I could take like I could take all the film classes I wanted to. I could also take like performance studies classes. I could take relational communications classes. I could take classes about friendship, like stuff that interests me. Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, that's how I ended up um, a communications major, and that's what I graduated as at, at DePaul. Now, do you feel like when you moved to Chicago and you graduated from college, do you feel like your your goals shifted a little bit? Did they were they still like when you was like I want to do comedy, I want to do this, I want to do that. Or did they take a different direction? Like, did you come with that in mind? Like, this is what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to go do this little college thing because my parents want me to. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. (laughs) So they haven't shifted at all. They pretty much. Because while I was in college, like, as soon as I got out here, I was trying to figure out how to get into, like, this second city thing. I was like, what is this? did that. Yeah, like, I had no money, so I was, like, emailing people, like, what's up? How do I get in here? And, like, to be honest, really wasn't nobody, like, messing with me. (laughs) I was like, hey, you guys, I have, like, lots of skills. and Like, let me tell you, I got all the skills, all the things that you need to be able to do this job. I could do it. Come, let me know. Um, And uh, I couldn't, like, figure it out. (laughs) So um, for, I think, Christmas, my family got me, like, some 
some gift certificates to take some classes at Second City. Oh, dope. So that's how I like got to meet some teachers and then like ask them like, okay, I don't have any more money. How do I? <laughs> right. After these keep one class, this? two classes. Yeah. yeah. Like how do I? And you know, and luckily I had like my first teachers there were amazing. Uh, Rachel Mason was oh, my very first I teacher love there. Rachel She's Mason. Perfect. She's like my mom. She's I actually me. did a short movie because of her. She was like, she you should pick everybody. this girl. She needs to be in your movie. And they called me and I got it. She knows everything. She's yeah. the best. I love her so much. So luckily, like she was the first teacher I had. And, um, and you know, she believed she liked me <laughs> and I liked her. So I was like, well, if she likes me. Then, you know, this is cool. And I can kind of make work. this work. Um, and so, yeah, I auditioned for like one of their year long programs um, and the music, the music improv conservatory. And so I did that and all I finished all of that while I was still in college. So by the time I graduated, I was like just starting to do things that I get paid for. Right. At Second City. Yeah. So it was like a nice transition because like I didn't really need money while I was in college like cuz I had my financial aid and stuff like that. So once I graduated, it was kind of like all right, now I have all of this energy to focus towards you know, doing this show, which is too much. Like what ended up happening is I just ended up doing a whole bunch of shows. Right. I ended up like writing my own show. That's when I linked up with Dwayne, um, Dwayne Perkins, who's my writing partner. We, he also went to DePaul and he was also, he was an animation major. So and we he's were also going to be a guest at some point on this podcast. He has to, he's perfect. <laughs> I love him. Um, but yeah, we were both uh, dancers. Like actually when I got out here, you know me, I got to be over involved. So I was doing <laughs> improv and I was in college and I was also like trying to dance. Oh, <laughs> and wow. so I was like, I need somewhere to like, I need a dance crew to, you know, dance with or whatever. And so I was looking on the internet and I saw that DePaul had like a hip hop dance crew and I was watching a video and I was like, mm, they all right. But this guy right here, he's a star. Like he is killing it. He was slaying everybody. So I like found him on Facebook and just like messaged him. I was like, hi, um, you don't know me, but I saw a video of you online and like you are a star. Like you were killing it. He was like, oh, thank you so much. You want to like, and we just like, and y'all are like damn near best friends now because I we see hit y'all all the, instantly. All the time. We hit it off. We are like have been inseparable ever since. Like we hit it off so great. And then we started going to dance classes together. And so I was, and then he invited me to audition for this other hip hop company that was like not school affiliated, like a, just a community hip hop company that we were in together for a while. Nice. And so while I was doing that and I like, fin- I was like in the middle of the conservatory at Second City, it's like a real white place. Like improv is very white. It is it's overwhelmingly yeah. white and it's almost like structured for white people. Mm-hmm. And if you're a person of color in an improv like class, you're it's likely you'll be the only person of color. So you don't get to do the same type of improv that everybody else does. If that makes sense. Uh-huh. Like you're not you're not in a room full of your peers. You're othered. And yeah. so they treat you differently or like you're expected to do different things or it's just it wasn't as fun for me. Right. And so you know, I'm hanging out with Dwayne and like, he's hilarious. You have the same sense of humor. He's so much fun. And I'm like, Hey, have you ever thought about doing improv? Cause like, I would love if somebody would come and do this with me. So you introduced Dwayne to improv. Yeah, he had actually. And when I said that he was like, Oh, I was in an improv group in high school. So like, sure, nice. I'll get back into it. And so he started taking classes at second city too. And so we went and wrote a show together, like a sketch show and, um, and was performing that like at the playground. Nice. And so, um, and so, yeah, I had like a lot of things going on. So by the time I graduated college, like me and Dwayne had already done a couple shows together. Like we were starting to kind of build our name and like I was starting to, you know, get some work at Second City. Um, so, yeah, like it was it was planned and I'm glad that it worked out the way it did. Wow. That is pretty amazing. Everything just kind of fell into place like when it was supposed to, thankfully. Now, not to shift. um, but in 2014, your mother passed away, mm-hmm. right? And now being an only child, that must have been hard for you mm-hmm. because you didn't really have anybody or, I mean, I'm sure you had family, but I mean, it's yeah, limited and you're here in Chicago and that was in Texas. Do your fam- Where does your family live? Because you said uh, your family lived in Texas. In D.C. Oh, in D.C. Yeah, is the rest of my family is in D.C. And just you and your mom were in Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it was like, that was the year after I graduated. Um, I had like got a full-time job at second city like i was working you're um, one of their house co-teams right no i was on the resident stage by then like i was understudying on the etc i don't know the difference what's the difference between a house co and a resident oh so they had like so there's the two stages at second city like the main stage and the etc and those are the ones that like do the professional shows every night and like get paid like real money that you can pay your bills with okay like so you do like six to eight shows a, a week and it's it's union and they like 
buy things for you like okay. clothing and stuff like they take care of they're supposed to take care of you like nice. when you're on the resident stage because those are the ones that like tourists come in and see those shows and like pay like real dollars for those types of tickets because they're in like the big fancy theaters and it's like a, it's a thing yeah i played on the house co i was a i was a resident house coat. Oh yeah, where it was didn't, like, don't they have like new names now? I don't know. It, yeah, I, I didn't get paid though, so yeah, that's the tea. <laughs> that's the real gag. So yeah, by the, by 2014, I was like getting paid from Second City, and then um, and then my mom passed, which was like real awkward timing because like I was in a place where I was like, okay, I have this momentum here, but then suddenly like your life just like takes a huge shift. Yeah. And, and she was young as well, right? She was young. But 40... 46, I believe. Okay. Um, And I think, like, the one of the weirdest... Like, it definitely illuminated the fact that I was an only child. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that was one of the moments where I was like, ooh, this is when siblings are convenient. Because I had never... Aside from, like, being bored at home as a kid, like, I don't have nobody to play this board game with. Like, I never really desperately wanted a sibling until my mom passed. But then I was like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting. Is your dad still living? Yeah, my dad's around. He's okay. in D.C. He cool okay. peoples. Um, they, yeah, they they weren't together. but um, Got you. Yeah, I, t- I talked to my dad. My dad's great. Okay. Um, but it was also like, hmm. So, well, yeah, it was definitely, it was a shift. But she had been sick for a long time. Oh, like, what did my she pass mom, away from? Yeah, she had breast cancer. Okay. So okay. she had been fighting breast cancer since I was, like, in middle school, like, maybe sixth or seventh grade. Wow. She was diagnosed. So she had, like, had breast cancer and beaten it and had it and beaten it, like, a few times. Remission and back and forth. Right. Gotcha. Exactly. So, and then there were, like, tumors showing up in different places, like, afterwards. And so it just kind of progressively got worse every time I came back. And so part of me was, like expecting it like waiting for it I realized how when she passed I realized how anxious I had been just kind of like anticipating that phone call right especially since I moved to Chicago it's like I couldn't sleep with my phone on silent because I was like always anticipating Anticipating it and I didn't start sleeping with my phone on silent until after she passed wow because like the phone call did come at 4 a.m like I was it always felt like it happened when it was supposed to happen like I had been preparing for it and I felt like relief for both of us when it happened because I knew she was in pain and like you mm-hmm. don't want to see your mom in pain you don't want to see your anybody you know especially someone who's like known for being so strong and someone you know who's like going to try to put on a strong front like you don't want to see them in pain yeah. and so it was more of a it was a lot of complicated feelings but I think when she died I felt like a lot of peace around it I was going to ask you how did you find yourself coping with that or dealing with the grief what were what were some of the things that you did to do because I mean I guess it's a little different I didn't know that she passed from breast cancer I thought it was more of an instantaneous kind of thing yeah, no, I think it would have been so, so much different had it been had it been instantaneous I think yeah that my I think I dealt with it the way that I did like I think I handled it fairly well because I had been preparing for it for a long time mm-hmm. I really have been like it's been a thought in my mind and I and I just been like mentally preparing myself for it when it happened and I just kind of felt it approaching so I, I, f- I felt like I was in a good place for it like it still you know blows not having a mom but I well am, you have I'm, a mom she's yeah not present. she's yeah. not like she's here but she's not here I yeah feel you. yeah so it it definitely like it's it was uh it I think it happened the way it was supposed to happen yeah you know people and people expect you to grieve a certain way right they're like you and should that be was sadder a thing. you should be you, you you just lost your mom you should feel bad and yeah and I feel like that's kind of like where me and my where the separation between me and my family kind of came because I then once my mom passed I really realized how different we were Mm -hmm. like the she was kind of like a bridge to me and my family and without her it was just like I felt so glaringly different wow and just like the way they communicate and the way they live their lives and just like the way that they are and I never really realized that before but it's like I don't come from a family of artists I don't come from a family of like free spirit weirdos and like I am I'm like so weird and I realized that it's because like when I didn't grow up as close to my family, like geographically. Yeah. And my mom was like really enabling of that. Like she was so supportive of like my weirdness and my artsiness. And so I just kind of like became yeah, like a different person than like anybody in my family. I felt like, mm-hmm. so my way of like 
dealing with it and grieving and, you know, sometimes what feels like it may appear that I'm like, um, like distancing myself from my family and like they kind of take that personally. And it's, and for me, it's not that at all. It's, um, it's not like I'm distancing myself because I'm upset or like I need help or anything like that. It's just like we live far away. <laughs> I've always lived far away from y'all. Like it, it only seems weird now because my mom's not around right. to relay all of the information about me to them. Like she really was the bridge. Like she communicated to them for me for the most part and like told me what was going on there. I like so. And so now it's like you guys never really talk. So yeah. it seems like you're that. And so it seems like I've like, you know, went and shut like, up. Well, if that off. happened, I'm done with you guys. Yeah. But, but yeah. the truth is that I've always been that way. Like I'm an only child. So I've always been like to myself and like yeah. real proud. And I never like called them and told I never called them like they call each other every day. <laughs> like my family, like they they call each other a whole lot. And I've never been like that because like I didn't even call my mom every day. Like we didn't I don't communicate that much in that way. Right. At least with like family, like with my friends I do. But like with family, it's hard to like update you with like every single thing I'm doing, especially because nobody's an artist so nobody like really gets it nobody and really it, gives a shit either yeah, until they, you make it then it's do, like oh that's my cousin things. that's my right. yeah, yeah they don't they don't know what i'm doing if i did tell them what i was doing yeah so like and so i feel bad because like i don't want them to feel to take it personally yeah and be like I'm, i was just raised by like my mom was a middle child so she was like real standoffish in general <laughs> so i'm a middle like, child i feel you it's like <laughs> i was raised by like y'all sister like your daughter who raised me like this and yeah. she was just better at like being the middle ground and without her it's like trying to figure out like how to compensate for that lack of communication now yeah and i you know that's something i'm still figuring out like that's the trickiest part about her death i think it's yeah. just like trying to figure out how to communicate with my family now because they be getting on my nerves. <laughs> like, straight Why you not up. reaching out? Why you not? I be like, I yeah. don't, I'm not used to it. It's, it's so weird how people have their expectations of how things should be versus just allowing things to be how they are. Yeah. And, and trying to, I don't want to say trying to deal with it, but trying to accept what is and embrace it. I feel like when you accept what is and you embrace it, things come together more organically right. than to try to force it to, to be to the way you it. want it to be. Because I notice like everybody, you know, traditionally you spend holidays with your family. And I notice like, you know, the past couple years like when I go to spend time with my family because I'm supposed to like I'm not always in a great mood because like I have to be aware of like where I am in the holidays just like as myself like how I feel about spending the holidays without my mother and then like how I feel about communicating with the rest of my family maybe people it's that a, you already don't communicate exactly with. Yeah. so like maybe that's not the best combination for me yeah. to spend the holidays with my family yeah and to them that seems like the perfect time to spend time together but it's like yeah. if do you want me there with an attitude because like when i do be there i don't be in a good mood and they be like why are you in a bad mood and i'm like i don't know so then i like try to like let me just deal with my feelings around the holidays by myself and then like why aren't you over here and i'm like because i'd be in a bad mood <laughs> like yeah so that's kind of like, tricky that is tricky. and you're young you're still and i don't want to keep saying you're young but i mean it's true that it at, at that age it's hard to try to figure that all out it and is. say how do i go and be the adult and be this kind of way with these people even though i feel this longing for my mother when i'm around them right you know it's an emptiness there that you that is hard to, and to it, compensate for especially in a bad mood it's like yeah. how do you yeah and it's like she's the communication piece and like that's what i'm struggling at so it just like amplifies how much i need her because it's like I can't deal with y'all without her. You gotta <laughs> like, go back and look at that major you got, right? In communication, you know, and try to figure I, it out. That's why I'm like, I need to sit here and unpack it for a little bit. Bring out the books. <laughs> Let's just really get down into it. Yeah, it was weird when my, you know, I found myself dealing with an internal battle when my daughter passed away. Of shouldn't I be sadder mm -hmm. because I wasn't mm -hmm. as I, I expected it too. she'd been six since she was born. And right. so I, in 15 months of going back and forth and helicopter trips and, you know, d one day she's good. And then the next day she's on all these things, keeping her alive, dopamine drips and stuff like right. that. You kind of get to a point where, you know, when that day comes, it's coming, mm -hmm. you know, you just, it's an expectation. Your and, body is like preparing for it. Yeah. And it I was sad in the moment and I was sad for a few days but for the most part I was just ready to go back to living and not have to deal with that but I will say this in response to that me desiring to go back to live was somewhat avoiding dealing with 
the loss as yeah. well. It is I, an avoidance. I to went an back extent. to work like very soon after yeah. my mom passed. Yeah, she passed on like a, on Black Friday, so I was like gone. I had taken off work the week before because she had a uh, she had like a wedding party, like she was getting married, and so I was. Your mom was getting married. Mm-hmm. She got married the week before. That's what, like things line up how they're supposed. Like it wow. all just kind of that just added a when whole another element to the. I couldn't make this shit up, man. You like, can't. So what about her husband? Do you still talk to him? Yeah, he's cool. Like they got together after I had moved away, so okay, I didn't, so didn't know, him know him as well. But yeah. he was very nice, and like I liked him and stuff. He was cool. Wow. Um, so yeah, I had like taken off work for that weekend, and so then when I came back for Thanksgiving weekend, um, and I got that call on a Friday, so I took off that week of work. And so then the next week was her funeral. So then I was gone that week of work. And then I was like, three weeks is enough time. I need to go back. You to need work. to go back and get and on. I it, missed yeah. it. Like, that's what I I'm built for being on stage and performing. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do more than I've never been more sure about anything in my life other than like, that's where I'm. That's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And it just kind of felt like, and you know. It's like <laughs> super dry family. Like my family's there. All my family's there. Like all my family's there and they're all in my face. Like it was just so overwhelming that I was like, let me go back to something that feels right. That, yeah. Like that feels normal. And yeah. And like, cause she had a service in Texas and then she had her, she's buried in DC and I didn't go to the burial cause that was a fourth week. Oh, and gotcha. I, okay. and I was tired. I was tired of my family by then. Like I was really stressed out. Like I didn't think I was going to make it another week. Like yeah. just having to. I was like, I need to do my emotional labor the way that I do it, which is by myself. Yeah. And if I go back home and go to work, then I can like be, I live by myself. So like that's the I perfect place. I can deal place. with it now. Yeah. Because yeah. it wasn't, I was just like drained. I was drained that and, whole, those whole weeks. You know, and I think it's societal expectations, societal and family expectations, right? They put these, these things on you and they say, this is the way you're supposed to deal with this. Yeah. This is, you need to be at the burial. You need to be here. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. And it's like, do I guarantee I you if the person that has left us, us knows me most or knows me the best they understand where i'm at and they know that it's no love lost because i've decided to do this versus doing that i'm taking care of me because i I do still have to live this life because at the end of the day my mom was always on that like she i miss family unions family birthdays all types of family events because i had shows yeah because i had to perform and she was like you like doing that more than you like doing this like that's what you're supposed to do yeah if that's what you want to do then that's what you like and she's she also knew me she's like i know your temperament i don't have the energy for like all of these family events, because <laughs> I right. never, I, even as a kid, like I don't have a lot of like social energy like that for like those types of spaces all the time, and so she, she was like always so supportive when I was like want to go do a show or like I want to go any, any any artistic endeavor. She was yeah. always like super supportive, and so that's what I that's what I go to. Like, what would she want me to do? She would want me to go do work and like follow my dreams and stuff. Like I had real things to do, and even. Like the years leading up to her passing when she would like fall really sick and um, my family would be like down there and they'd be like, Asia, you need to come home. And my mom would be like, no, you don't. <laughs> She'd be like, I'll be good. Stay up there. And so like, you know, I would I would feel guilty about that, but I really would pick and choose because if it was up to them, I'd be in Texas like all the time yeah yeah like for one weekend every month to like, you know, because, oh, your mom is so sick. And it's like I lived with her. For 18 years, and I talked to her on the phone as much as, like, we have, like, as much as we need to talk. And I am in the middle of some stuff right here where it's, like, if I up and move my life, like, if I move back to Texas after I graduate, like, I have momentum here. Like, I'm trying to get some stuff done. Like, this is what me and my mom have been working for. Like, she worked hella jobs to be able to pay for me to do all of this extracurricular stuff, like, all this art stuff and take these classes at Second Cities and stuff. So it's, like... It, it that's not how I was raised. <laughs> like I know that's what y'all think that I should do for her, but that's not how she raised me. So like, if she says she's good, then she's good. And when it's time for me to come home, then I'll come home. Yeah, that's well. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I know that had to be well. It may may not have had to be as hard as it may be for some, but thank you. I mean, I hope it like is it resonates with someone else because I remember just feeling so like guilty and just like really trying to find the balance and I'm like still doing that but I feel a lot better about it now because it's like you just really have to 
prioritize your health though that's admirable that you focused on what you needed to focus on because i'm a strong believer of like i love my kids to death my daughter turned 17 yesterday she'll be 18 next year like Mm -hmm. i mean this is happening this is at that point in life and i don't ever want my kids to feel like they have to do anything out of obligation for me like oh it's my mom so i have to i want my kids to live their life i got you here Mm -hmm. so that you can go out and experience life that's the whole point of living is to go out and experience life and have fun and have as many different situations and 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 you know experiences and things to just you know make you really and learn and grow and just feel life and interact with people and have connections and i don't want you to think that this connection between you and i is the most important connection Being a daughter is not your purpose in life that is not your purpose in life (laughs) i got you here you gotta have fun out there go find your life and that's i'm fine with that so that was very admirable of you um so I've also noticed we're going to shift gears again. Um, I noticed that you're very pro-black. <laughs> and uh, so did you grow up around all black people? No, or? I grew up in Texas. Of course not. <laughs> I grew up with a bunch of awesome white people. I like I grew up in this. Like, I was born in Alabama. I lived in Augusta, Georgia for a little bit. Um, I lived I actually lived in D.C. for a few years after my parents got divorced. And then we moved back to Texas shortly after. Um, and yeah, there are white people everywhere, everywhere I went. Uh and they was like they were cool like i never i never really felt like um excluded because of my race like i was aware that i was black and i was aware that like my white friends do things differently at their house sometimes like they talk to their parents very differently than i do like <laughs> like i noticed the differences and stuff she but did like, not get back slapped when she said that right, that's interesting like, interesting macaroni and cheese is a full meal here not a side okay <laughs> fun interesting but it wasn't never like it was never judgmental like i never a full meal yeah no it, it was it, this is, that kind of stuff blew my mind i feel like you need to make that into a song like <laughs> white people eat macaroni for full meals they like do. that needs to i don't know if that's the way you say it but you got to figure oh my that out gosh, yeah uh, <laughs> it's, it's hilarious to me but like i i had like so just some really great amazing texan white friends and i always say like my favorite show is king of the hill that's like my my desert island show if i had to watch one show for the rest of my life like every episode every season i love it so much because it reminds me of the white people that i grew up with wow because that show is it's it's about conservatives it's about like conservative white people in texas but like it's so endearing and like despite their political leanings you still can relate to them on a very human level and that was my experience in texas is like you know they really weren't like fucking with obama <laughs> my right. senior year like a lot of like my white friends and their parents they like weren't into obama but it did oh so you were a senior when obama got elected yeah wow so they weren't it and that was like the first time that i was like mm. <laughs> but up until then like i had never really felt like the racial tension and i think like Dallas is a good place for that because it's like you're they're like they're liberal in Dallas like they're pretty liberal for a Texas place and um I think when you're in such close proximity to real racism like when you live around places called white settlement and like when you see these pockets of like white people who hate black people it prevents you from being able to go to this like liberal post-racial type of mindset Mm -hmm. because like the people in texas are so aware of racism that there's no way that they try to downplay your experiences because they know my uncle my uncle hates black people like he talks like that like i am very close to that type of racism so i can identify it and like empathize with you and so i think that was that's a lot of like why i didn't feel a lot of tension when i lived in dallas with the white people now what happened or shifted that sparked your draw to more black people though was it the move to chicago Chicago, okay so you just were surrounded around this city is crazy i'm moving from texas (laughs) and i'm here to tell you that it is way more segregated in chicago it is so segregated it's wild i have never felt so uncomfortable being the only black person in a room like i would go to classes and i'd be the only black person i'd go to like I've just I've never been in such a homogenous environment and it made me physically uncomfortable. Yeah. And also white people that have not been around black people are the worst type of white people to be around. 
<laughs> like you can tell that it's segregated because everyone like they're so woke and liberal and they're at this like this col- they're college educated so they're too smart to be racist but they've never been around black people so, so they everything they say is racist it's like accidentally racist yeah. but they do yeah. like but I'm college educated and like I'm smart like I'm from the suburbs like I'm not I'm not racist this isn't the south and I'm like you're an idiot like right. it's even worse like you just say a bunch of dumb racist stuff and you have no idea cuz you don't even have any proximity to like your idea of racism is like clan and what the South is, what the media portrays the South to be. Whereas like this is all institutionalized racism. Like Chicago is very institutionalized. It's just embedded in every part of this city, like every single level. And you somehow don't see that. Like you can't see it though because it's so segregated. You don't see it because you're so in it and it doesn't make sense to you. So coming from out of it, (laughs) when I got in it, I was like, oh, y'all tripping. Like y'all have drank the Kool-Aid. Like this Midwest (laughs) stuff. Y'all have drank the Kool-Aid. I was like, this Midwest stuff is way worse than You can say that coming from Texas. You guys have drank the Kool-Aid. That is a real saying there because that's what happened you don't drink that kool-aid i know i know what the kool-aid looks like i know exactly what it looks like and y'all have taken big gulps that is so like, i do a joke where i talk about my neighbor uh well she's not my neighbor but this really did happen i was having a conversation with a white lady she was super excited for me to meet her cousin mm-hmm. and when I met him, the big deal was that we had the same last name. She was like, oh, my God, what if we're, like, all related? And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> this is not a conversation we're having right now. I was like, yeah, I bet we are related because they owned us. Your family owned my family. Right. I was like, back when? I said, I guess you can buy friends because yeah. you bought me. I'm here with you now. This right. is ridiculous. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah I couldn't believe it. Um, it's some new stuff. Some new stuff. <laughs> that Midwestern racism is it's not my favorite. So do you feel like it's easy to show up and be yourself in a comedy acting setting that you find yourself in, like casting calls and auditions and stuff like that? Or do you feel like because you're in Chicago and because of the segregation and because it's so different, do you find some discomfort when you or is it that same? I'm I'm made to do this kind of mentality. Yeah, I think um, at first, like when I was first getting into the comedy scene, there was like a period of trying to like feel things out and try to figure out, you know, what's going on. But like I said, it was very soon that I realized that, like, if I wanted to be myself, then I'd have to find someone else to do this with. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, the the communities that were, like, made for me, like, all the teams or whatever, like, the structures that already existed um, weren't going to allow me to, like, feel the way I feel when, I cre- when I'm, like, making my friends laugh. Right. So I was like, let me bring my friends in so that I feel like me. Into your world, yeah. And I feel like that is really what helped me kind of, like, stay focused and also like now do you feel dependent on or not anymore um, maybe no not anymore we're we're fairly different I gotta stop answering your questions for you oh no you're good (laughs) (laughs) I think like part of it was um like yeah having someone to write with was affirming and also like being so young and like not really knowing the community when I started um, like I didn't spend like a lot of people will take like so many classes before they like start writing their own shows or like start really working. In oh, the... yeah. My bank account understands. Right. And so <laughs> I think because like I started like as soon as I st- took that first class, I was like, all right, I could do this. Like, <laughs> yeah. and so I started so young that I was like just it, like naive and like ignorant and didn't really know who was important or like who is expecting what like I didn't know what the expectations were it's something about that youth when you get into yeah. it at that age it does change how you once you've lived a life a little bit you start questioning everything so right. you're like Ugh, should I Ooh, I can't Ooh, and when what you're if, 19 you don't get no fuck you don't get no fuck <laughs> you're like you know what I'm doing this this is how it's gonna go that's right. amazing um, yeah so I uh, think I got lucky so what is your ultimate goal in your career um this is the final question before the final four well, not the final, but you yeah, know, yeah. I have the final four, the, four the questions moment. in four minutes. Um, yeah, I would say um, my my goal is nothing short of world domination. Like, <laughs> I just feel like I have so much. Like, I'm. I, have, a I lot don't of, even want to call it lofty. I feel like you are like gonna it's dominate the world. I, I, like, <laughs> I'm a Leo, and like I Sagittarius rising and Sagittarius moon. I got a lot of fire in my charts, so I feel like it has to be on that level, or else like. I'll I'll like consume myself. Yeah, like that's that's why I like the stage because there's so much space and there's lights and sounds and props and like things to go along. So the further I get in my career, the more I'm like, I need more resources and to have more resources i need more money and to get more money i need more white people to trust me and to get more <laughs> white people to trust me i got to be more powerful so i have to be like i have to be 
a name that invokes power so that people don't ask me questions and just give me their money. Because like now, do you feel like that's because you're a black woman? Oh yeah. If you were a black uh, man, do you think it would be different? I think it'd be different. I don't know if it'd be like you know easier. Yeah, I don't know if I like I'd be a star by now if I was a black man. I definitely feel like being a black woman, they're going into these audition rooms and you know there's a preconceived notion about who you know who I am or like what type of black woman I am, mm-hmm. and I didn't really realize how. Um, much that I didn't identify with that until like I went out to LA for pilot season and was like oh I get what you guys think I am and I understand what I am and they're not the same thing whereas like I want to audition for roles that they're going to give to like Seth Rogen like I want to play like stoner who gets to have fun Melissa McCartney or something like that yeah I'm trying to have like stoner fun like I'm trying to be ridiculous and silly and like not responsible but like if you're a black woman they're literally like come in here and like get all these people into shape come over here and tell this white boy he being too crazy and I'm like no I want to be the crazy white boy (laughs) like have a white boy come tell me I'm being too crazy and I'm like fart on his face and then go off to doing something other like I want to do that type of goofy shit and so it, they weren't understanding it. So then it was like, okay, so I'm going to have to show you. I'm going to yeah. have to show you that, like, black women can do this type of comedy that you traditionally only see white men do. And I'm going to have to do it on my own first so that you can see it exist. And then little by little, you'll start to trust me in this field. Because there's definitely, like, it's that's not what you would cast me as. Yeah. What I'd like to be cast, like, off jump. Whenever I say that to people, they're like, oh. Oh, I'm so glad you said, oh, I never thought, oh, wow, I'm I'm so shocked. And I'm like, oh, dang, that's crazy because I've been me my whole life. So right. I'm like, I never think that I have to explain myself as much as I do, but I do. Okay, so I, I lied. I'm going to ask you one more question. Who was your okay. inspiration? Ooh, comedically, um, I'm going to have to give it up to Wayne Brady once more. Shout out to Wayne Brady. Um, also, really, really love RuPaul. Um very big very dramatic i would say like rupaul is like a, like if i had to pick a comedian it would be rupaul because like i just i'm into the aesthetic the the type of comedy like i love she's just so quick mm-hmm. so quick-witted like her aura about her it's just like i just love ru um and and then when he's not in drag he's like still slaying so it's like there's just so much dynamic yeah and there's no limits like RuPaul has albums out like RuPaul has like has a TV show has like gets to channel this thing into so many different media lanes. And that's what I want to do. I love that. Yeah. All right. So we're down to the final four questions, which is uh, four questions in four minutes. I'm setting the timer right now. When the timer goes off, I don't want to hear shit else out to you. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> That was so aggressive. That was unnecessarily aggressive. (laughs) I need to be spoken to like that, though, because I don't be respecting authorities. Oh, my God. All right, here we go. And start. What is the pettiest thing you've ever done in your life? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I don't even know if I'm legally allowed to talk about that right now. Uh... Ooh, are you awesome? Is it in in legal? Uh, I mean... Oh, shit. (laughs) Okay, well, the next pettiest thing, the second pettiest thing that's that's not legally... (laughs) <laughs> bounding um i would say uh what's some real petty stuff i don't know i recently blocked my ex because i just didn't want him ever talking to me again like we were cool and then he said something that i slightly didn't like and then i was like blocked forever <laughs> wow and and i was like no explanation i don't really feel like that you, is kind of petty you though. my ex like i don't have to care about your feelings no more now, so how long like, ago did that happen how long like how long of a breakup had y'all been in or had you guys been talking for a while or? we broke up like in august like the beginning of august and then like we were cool until like maybe a couple weeks ago <laughs> so you just bo- so, so this is new it I could just change him. it could change i ain't blocking him <laughs> oh like, you're really sure like you're done okay i like don't care and it feels so good to not care so i'm like yeah this is probably for the best that is if i unblock you then you might be like oh i have fear and i'm just like okay if you could ask the universe for one thing that you have for the rest of your life what would it be it could be an emotion something tangible like money anything you want what would it be i would say unlimited money you would want unlimited money yeah not particularly because i like love money so much but just because i spend money a lot um i i spend money and i don't think about it 
So if I had unlimited money, then I wouldn't have to think about it. And that's nice. Because I think my default is to not think about money <laughs> until like the bills show up. And then like I'll be like really stressed out for three days. But for the most part, like I don't think about it until I have to. So if I didn't have to think about money anymore, then yeah. So would you equate that to just security? Yeah. Security. Financial security. I like a little excitement in other parts of my life, but financial, like, I don't want to think about, I don't like money that much, so I don't want to no think about it. No one does. We just want to be okay. Yeah. Um, be good. If you could have a conversation with any person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, my God. That's a tough one. Um, I think it would, okay, uh, Rihanna. Rihanna? <laughs> I think it's Rihanna. Yeah. Either Rihanna or Janet Jackson. Oh, I love Janet I Jackson. Be, uh, People say I look like her. I think it's because of the cheekbones. Yeah, she is a... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I see, I see. The yeah. yeah, you have a smile like her. I get it all the time. They're like, "Oh my God, you look like Jen Jackson." I'm like, "Oh my God, tell somebody else that can make me really Please. famous." <laughs> right? Tell her that. <laughs> right? Tell her that. Tell her I'm her little sister. Right? Okay. Yeah. If you can go back in time and t- oh, and why? Why would you want Rihanna or Janet? Um, I really feel like they get me. Like Rihanna's like you know carefree black girl stoner, and like I really feel that she has amazing. Like I just really resonate with everything she says. She's everything. so dope. She, she like is. I get it. And then Janet is like my. She's like my role model. Like I see her and I just get so filled with emotion just because like I just think she's just like so, so good. Has a lot of good energy and stuff. You looked at the time. You're like, yeah, how much like, time I got left? <laughs> I know. I can talk about Janet for hours. <laughs> okay. If you can go back in time uh, and tell your 16-year-old self, which is not that far back, right. by the way, uh, <laughs> a, bit of, <laughs> right, yeah. a bit of advice, what would that advice be? Um, Something she would need to know today. Like you, blah, blah, blah. 16 16 16 um I don't know 16 year old me was like riding around and getting it like she was good I would say continue (laughs) I would say continue to like not worry about these boys because like I would I liked boys but you know it wasn't just didn't make sense so sometimes that would stress me out like maybe I'm a weirdo because like I'll never I'll never get married I'll never have a boyfriend until I'm like 40 or something right and so I'll just be like don't worry about it girl you get a boyfriend when you need one and then you won't have one when you don't need one it's it's fine (laughs) that's pretty dope well thank you so very very much Asia for coming on i really appreciate it uh, do you have any shows or anything coming up you want to plug Ooh. or your instagram and all that good stuff i do definitely follow me on social media there we go <laughs> i did Stop. it four minutes you did it uh follow me on social media at euthanasia that's like e-u-t-h-a-n-a-a-s-i-a on like twitter and instagram i'm also i'm gonna be in la next week i'm doing nope no this won't drop till tuesday so unless you're doing on shows tuesday. after tuesday okay yeah tuesday gotcha. The, the 12th yeah 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 okay so tuesday the my tw- bad <laughs> tuesday the 12th <laughs> tonight if you're listening um <laughs> this evening i'll be in la at uh, a show called blam 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 which is at our bar and it starts at nine o'clock and then on thursday the 14th i'll be at a dope ass comedy show at the bronson bar that starts at eight and if you're in chicago i'll be at solana that's ran by dave right Hellum? yeah that's dave Hellum's nice, show nice. yeah shout out to dude. dave Hellum. shout out um, yeah, so catch the show. It's going to be, I hear it's like amazing. It's my first time doing the LA one. I've done the Chicago one before. Um, and yeah, if you're in Chicago, I'll be at Salonathon at Beauty Bar on Christmas evening. Oh, cool. And I'll be debuting my new song, Jesus Had a Lace Front. Nice. So, so you did write it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's my like, God. It's going to be out by then. I'm like just finishing it up now. So um, it'll, yeah, I'll be doing that then on Christmas evening. So after you're tired of your family, like come throw it at Beauty Bar. Thank you so much. Make sure y'all go and cop her EP. It's called Unemployed. It is on iTunes right now. It's streaming everywhere. It's iTunes, streaming Spotify, everywhere. Yes. Title, Amazon, Google Play, Groove. All that good stuff. And you already heard one of the songs is four or five more on there. Dope as hell, just like that. So make sure y'all check her out, man. Thank you so much. You've been amazing. Thank you I can't so much say for it enough. Me. I've been your girl, Kelly Howard. If you want to come to some shows, which I do have some coming up, check out my website, kellyhoward.com. You know it's spelled like Kanye, but Kelly, K E. <laughs> E-L-L-Y-E-H-O-W-A-R-D.com. I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. I want to thank our sponsors, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both.